At the end of the year, the media started running stories about a market downturn and falling prices. There never seems to be any middle ground with property headlines. It's either either, either either, it's always either boom or doom. What sparked these new gloomy headlines? Should we pay attention as we prepare for 2022? Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia and author of Auction Ready. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say on here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of a professional. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website as well as download our free full or forecast report. Which experts can you trust to get it right? Theelephantintheroom.com.au In November, Sydney auction clearance rates fell from 11 straight weeks above 80% into the 70th percentile, and I watched in disbelief as headlines turned to market crash predictions. Why disbelief? Well, because a clearance rate above 70% has traditionally been regarded as a marker of a hot market. And something similar was happening in Melbourne, yet Brisbane was defying all the odds and showed the strongest price growth of all the capital cities. And this prompted me to ask two very experienced buyers agents to join me and discuss the market in each city and what we can expect as we move into 2022. Megan Wells of Brisbane's Property Pursuit and Jared McCabe of Melbourne's Wakeland Advisory won't be strangers to our long-term listeners and welcome to you both. Thank you for having us. Hi, Veronica. Hi, Megan. Good to see you both. Yeah, good to see you too. My goodness, it's been a long time since we've been in the same place. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) In fact, I think that was 2019, wasn't it? The middle of which, yes. So, Jared, I'm going to kick off. Actually, we were in Melbourne, weren't we, Veronica? Two and a half years ago. Jared down there. We're doing a bit of business, recording some videos. Yeah. Memories. (laughs) (laughs) Jared, I'm going to kick off with you first. (laughs) How has the Melbourne property market fared coming out of its sixth lockdown? Uh, your summary was pretty good before, Veronica. It seemed like you could have been talking about Melbourne or Sydney there. Um, for we, we came out of our lockdown. We probably had it a bit more severe in terms of impact on property specifically than what you did in Sydney, uh, just in the fact that we couldn't conduct one-on-one inspections at all during, uh, during August and the majority of September. And then once things started to come out, we were able to do the one-on-one inspections and it's gradually progressed to being back to relative normality at the moment. The first probably four weeks after that, um, that first easing of restrictions to one-on-one inspections was manic. It just, it went berserk. It was a, it went further than what it was doing the first half of the year, which was very, very strong. Um, but the first four weeks was, was fairly crazy. And there was some, a lot of, uh, extreme prices being paid. There was a lot of fear of missing out. I think there'd been a lot of buyers that had missed out three or four times and were just adamant that they were going to buy the first thing that they came across. Um, but after that four-week period, it's, it's really started to, to settle down a bit. But similar to what you just said, the, uh, the clearance rate has come back, but that's not unusual uh, at this time of year. And that leads into something that's quite interesting. We'll get to Brisbane in a minute, but certainly in Sydney, and I and I suspect Melbourne is quite similar. There's a seasonality to mm. what's happening at the moment. I'm think I'm feeling it here. Would you say that a lot of what's happening, or when I say what's happening, this is the tense is going to go all over the shop here because we're recording this in December. However, we'll be releasing this in January, so we're sort of saying that at the end of the year, as if it's happened, but we're experiencing as we speak. So what typically happens in Sydney is spring brings a lot of new stock onto the market and buyers are quite often, particularly in a hot market, they're exhausted. And so they are like going, oh, my God, actually it's great to see the pressure eased. And instead of taking advantage of that, quite often what they do is say, you know what, I'm just going to go and do other things and I'll wait till next year before I buy. Um, And that is a typical spring into Christmas market in Sydney. Would you say you're seeing similar things in Melbourne? Exactly. So the um, we've missed out on a month and a half, basically, of transactions in August and September. So there was a lot of buy, um, vendors, sorry, who were ready to go at that stage and were planning to sell in the early part of the spring market uh, and didn't get the opportunity to because they weren't prepared to uh, sell in a market where buyers couldn't uh, inspect their properties. So they held back and held back. Uh, and that's what's increased the supply 
uh, above what it would normally be at this time of year. But you do see this on a very regular basis that the uh, the supply builds and builds, people buy and then need to sell. So there's a lot of property coming on the market. But it also gets to, we find that after Melbourne Cup, sort of mid-November into towards late November, that those that have missed out um, start to lose. You, you can find that it either goes one of two ways. If it's a really strong market, that's probably starting. So like 2019, where we really built through the uh, the spring market right up to Christmas and it continued a really strong clearance rate right through to um, the last week, last Saturday prior to Christmas Day. And it was a really strong build. Whereas um, other years, you'll find that once you get that other side of the Melbourne Cup long weekend, it really starts to plateau and then starts to drop off and, and buyers lose focus. They're uh, focusing on Christmas, family, going on holidays and uh, and decide that we'll look at uh, buying property again in the new year, take stock, talk, talk to family and friends and, and reconsider our options. And that's probably been exacerbated even further this year, given that um, a lot of Victorians, Melbournians particularly, haven't been able to get out at all. And so they're, uh, they're looking to really make the most of, of this summer period. And so property is becoming uh, a second option and, and will be reviewed again in the new year. We've had an enormous amount of auctions in Sydney and I know you've had huge volumes in Melbourne as well. What, mm. How are the clearance rates in Melbourne uh, as you head into the end of the year? Again, as you said, it was, it's, we're pretty similar to Sydney, I think. I mean, we've... Um, Prior to this year, um, probably the biggest weekend in Victoria was about eighteen or nineteen hundred auctions. Um, and it was usually on that last last oct last Saturday of October. Usually the really big one because it's the a clear run from the AFL Grand Final um, before the Spring Carnival kicks in. Sports very important. Trying to navigate all that time frames here that are very sport oriented. Um, the ballet come into this it doesn't seem to impact the auction market <laughs> then tennis it, is in um, january when nothing's happened anyway when so. nothing's <laughs> happening so that's that's done deliberately too so no but you get a clear run there and so that's quite often the last saturday or last weekend in october is quite often the biggest weekend of the year but this year we've seen um auction numbers the last two weeks and i think the next two weeks as well maybe not the 18th so I think there was a, it was at least three to four weeks where there's been in excess of 2,000 auctions every weekend, oh. um, which is uh, – and then to see that the clearance rate initially did hold up at around 80%. It's now dropped back into the 70s, and I think on the weekend it dropped below 70% into the high 60s. So, But I, I don't know if you could expect anything else when you get that flood of, of, um, of supply – it's just, and when you're moving into a Christmas period where people do tend to change focus, it's absolutely to be expected. Yeah. Megan, Brisbane isn't what you call an auction city, you know, like Sydney and Melbourne are, but if you can't use clearance rates as a gauge of what the market's doing, how do you typically measure the heat or otherwise in the market? It's really interesting because traditionally Brisbane's had about 10% or less of properties that go to auction are sold through private treaty. And the clearance rates generally sit between about 53 and 56%. So that's, you know, extrapolating over a long period of time. But at the moment, we're sitting at about 73%. And that's Whoa. extraordinarily high for, mm. for Brisbane. Now, that's come off a little bit from being in the 80s. And, and one of the really interesting things is that, you know, we've got, we've got a whole lot of things all happening at the same time. We've got seasonality, which Jared really you know, clarified in Melbourne what happens with seasonality down there. Here, seasonality really only came into its own in the last four or five years with a spring selling season, which was largely driven by the media mm. um, telling everybody up here that there is spring. We don't even know there's spring up here. We go from <laughs> winter to summer and it's about a two-week transition. Um, but, you know, now we have a spring selling season. Uh, so we have a seasonality factor, which is a bit more property coming on in, in spring. Um, we have a, a market cycle happening, which is there is a lot of buyer demand and that buyer demand isn't petering off just yet, although we're starting to see green shoots of that. So we've had a lot of buyer demand, which means we're in a really strong upward cycle like most of the country. Um, and, and that's really interesting because what that's doing is actually forcing agents to make a decision as to whether they're going to go down the traditional private treaty route, which is, you know, to, to put people in competition, present offers to owners and, and essentially say to them, put your best and final offer forward and often those offers have conditions. 
now agents are, are saying to owners, look, we can run a really short campaign here, maybe a two-week or a 10-day auction campaign and put these people in, in competition with each other. So the traditional auction campaign of four or five weeks, four weeks of open houses and auction on the fifth week is being shortened in Brisbane. And we have this new kind of phenomenon of, of, of um, properties being put to a short auction campaign which is kind of good because it opens up the transparency of the negotiation with the buyers. But it's it's hard because if you haven't got all your ducks lined up and, you know, as Veronica, you know, disclosure is very limited in Queensland. So it's a very short period of time to, to get everything done. So we've got, we've got, you know, as I say, seasonality is happening. Um, we've got market cycle that's happening. We've got holidays coming up and most people leave Brisbane during the holidays because they, they want to drive that one hour to get to the coastal um, areas and so there's an exodus of, of people from Brisbane during the holiday period so the private schools have already gone on holidays we're 7th of December when we're recording this and and they won't go back to um, school until the last week of January so there's a large period of time where Brisbaneites aren't here but now we've got the X factor, which is the COVID factor, which we have, the borders have just been announced to be reopened largely um, to most people from the 14th, the morning of 1am on Monday, the 13th of, of December. So people who were originally preparing to come here in on the 17th of December are now maybe getting in into the state a little bit earlier. So this X factor of people, this pressure of people who are coming into the state um, is actually going to change the seasonality and the cycle. So we've got this X factor effect on, on two things, well, three things really that we normally see during this part of, part of the year, which is seasonality, holidays and, and their market cycle. So, are you so it is, it's, it's really an unusual time in the Brisbane property market. Well, I think clearance rates uh, in the 80s and 70s even is unusual. Um, it's completely, like, completely. Yep. Um, but also, so you're suggesting that a lot of these people that are coming up to visit family or have holidays or whatever, that they're actually coming up with an intention to buy? Mm, there's a relo there's, there's a massive relocation um, trend coming into Queensland at the moment, and we've seen that in the data, but we're going to see it more now that the, the borders are open. We've got people who are coming back to Queensland who are you know, Brisbane or Queensland-based people who have lived interstate and are, are going to move back here. We've seen um, a large uh, response from investors to the marketplace saying, I can get a really good price for my property at the moment, therefore I'm going to divest. They're selling really well and, and making good money, which was part maybe part of their plan, maybe part maybe it brought their plan forward. Um, but there's, there's a, a decrease in the number of investment properties available for rent at the moment, which is putting um, upward pressure on rental prices. Uh, and then we've got the, the influx of um, international people and interstate people who are looking to relocate to Brisbane. So the net migration into Queensland and particularly southeast Queensland is the strongest that it's been since um, 2002, which is when we saw our last rather amazing boom um, in prices. Um, and I don't use the word lightly. I don't like the word boom, but there's no other way to describe what prices are doing at the moment other than um, you know, every now and then we look at each other in our office and say it's sold for what? Uh, with with uh, you know, shock and awe of, of, of what prices are doing and how quickly things are moving. What's so interesting is that particularly in Sydney and Melbourne, we've had an exodus of people leaving both cities um, to the regions and also north to, to Bruce Vegas. <laughs> um, and yet our prices have been rising. Uh, and I know Melbourne hasn't been quite as strong as Sydney, but and I'm talking generally about Sydney market. I know mm. you've got to be careful here because there's micro markets within markets, et cetera. However, when you see Sydney prices have gone up roughly about 30% um, over a year and, and people have been leaving, Melbourne hasn't got quite that much. What's the Melbourne median price done in the last year, Jared? Not to be close ahead. to 20%, I'd say, maybe a bit more. Which is still decent, right? Let's face mm. it. We're not, you know, yeah, not still gonna, very strong. Yeah. We're not gonna quibble over that. No. And then you, and you look at and you look at Brisbane and where the population is moving towards, certainly Australians are certainly moving there, and that's um and we'll be seeing prices rise. So the sustainability of that boom, as you call it, um, 
advised terms, <laughs> Megan. Well, you know, I, I call it upward pressure. Honestly, that's yeah. that's the term that I generally use. There's an extraordinary amount of upward pressure on prices at the moment because the demand is not um, flagging and the supply is quite good. We have more transactions that we have than we have ever had since 1996. I think mm-hmm. I, I did some data on that. Um, so the transactions are there, but the demand is far outweighing the supply from that point of view. So it's not like there's not enough listings. There's just way too many people looking yeah. for those properties. But it's not local demand. You've got, you've got migration from other states there. And I'm curious, though, just sort of before we move into, I guess, what to expect for next year in, in all three areas, but I'm curious, back in 2002, you said that last boom. How long would you say that lasted for? Uh, it went through to about the end of 2003 to start of 2004. So there was a sustained period of, 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 of quite strong growth over that period of time. Um, and it was a period of time where actually at the time that it started, I was a selling agent. So I was um, riding that, wow, I can't believe they just got that price sort of thing. And then at the end of sort of towards the end of it, I went into buyer's agency, which is, you know, where you, you're trying to work hard to get a really decent price for, you know, buy at a really decent price for people. Um, and, and, and it was a, it was a period of time where we had that high net migration at the same time, but we actually didn't have an X factor apart from, uh, and this is largely in the past, what's driven price growth in Brisbane. It was the biggest price differential between Sydney and Melbourne at the time. Uh, than yeah. we'd seen in a really long time. And Brisbane had just come out of quite a, a stagnant period of almost, you know, I think there was negative growth through the 90s and it was very difficult to sell properties and it would take 18 months to sell properties in the 90s in Brisbane. Uh, so it, it sort of came off a really, really, really low base. Um, and and then this, this large a factor of net migration and the affordability gap, but there was a lot of investor activity at that point in time. So in the that sort of two early 2000s period, there was a huge amount of interstate investment that was happening in Brisbane, not just migration and a, a principal um, place of uh, residence purchases happening. We're not seeing that now. And I think the thing that I've, I, I guess I want to you know, table with the group today is I think there's going to be a huge, huge amount of pressure on um people who are renting properties there, there there has been a mass i was talking to the ceo of one of the biggest franchises in australia um sorry the queensland ceo of one of the biggest franchises in australia the other day and 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 i said to him we've lost about 23 percent of our rent roll which is a small rent roll we're a small business property pursuit and he said yeah we're we're coming up to 25 percent of our rent roll has been sold in queensland so that's investors taking advantage of the market and selling their properties. We are not seeing investors in the marketplace in, in Brisbane and Greater Queensland at the moment replacing that stock for renters of properties. Mm. And I think that's the biggest concern that I have for the market in, in Queensland. And Jared, I'd be interested in Veronica yourself and what you're seeing investors doing because we're normally about a 50-50 split in buyers agency of owner-occupiers and investors. And we're probably sitting at about 20% investors at the moment. So we're not replenishing the stock that's being sold out of the market at the moment. What are you seeing? We're seeing, um, we're probably normally a bit different. Um, We're normally probably 80, 20 investors because that's where Mm -hmm. we pitched ourselves. So that's that's what we do. Um, But we've, that's definitely dropped back. We're more probably getting closer to being 50, 50, uh, maybe 60, 40 investors, but it's, mm. but that's a, that's a substantial change. That's happened over a period of time. And that's not just COVID related um, since really since the Royal Commission, I think that's um, had an impact on investors mm. and there just hasn't been as many of them in the marketplace. I'm interested, Megan, in terms of the, uh, the rental demand up around Queensland, because we've certainly seen in the regional areas of Victoria that those that have been looking to do the tree change, uh, a lot of them have taken up rental properties. So mm-hmm. the rental values in a lot of regional cities around Melbourne, um, whether it's Ballarat, Bendigo, Geelong, or perhaps down on one of the peninsulas, mm-hmm. uh, has been extremely strong. Yes, certainly seeing it up here as well, both regionally and in the city. And, and just from a, you know, from a personal point of view within our business, we've, we've got properties that we might have had 
been getting maybe 650 a week. We advertise them for 680 a week. A lot of break leases at the moment. So people purchasing properties, breaking lease or attempting to you know, end their tenancy early. Um, and, and so we're replacing those tenants with other tenants. So a particular example was, you, you know, I think it was five, uh, 650 a week. Um, and we had so many applications that someone offered 720 a week. Now in Queensland, it's illegal to advertise the property and say, offer what you want, you know, go for it, bid, auction, whatever. That's, that's not possible up here. These are actually people who are saying, I have missed out on so many properties. I'm going to throw everything I've got just to get somewhere to put my family into. So they're actually they're actually putting themselves out in a position of offering more than what's being asked in terms of rent in order to actually secure a property. So that there is actually a level of um, almost, I wouldn't call it desperation yet, but there is a high level of motivation for people to secure housing um, in all price ranges. Now, can I differentiate between housing, houses, freehold houses, and townhouses versus units. So, you know, your, your, your investor stock style units are still oversupplied in Brisbane. Mm. Um, but the townhouses and the freehold houses and three-bedroom units, you know, those bigger sort of family style units, they're, they're the ones that are seeing a lot of upward pressure on rental prices at the moment. Mm. A lot of demand. Interesting. Um, anecdotally, I'm hearing uh, in New South Wales as well that... It, and a lot of people have been interviewed on the podcast as well, really talking about that pressure in regional areas um, because it's not just that investors are sold out and then an owner-occupier bought it, but what we're finding and what we're hearing a lot is that investors sold out and somebody's bought it as a second home and then using it for Airbnb. And so the actual hasn't been bought by another investor or necessarily an owner-occupier either. And um, in terms of the statistics, those people come up as investors, um, but the impact obviously on the rental stock and the vacancy rate in a lot of those regional towns is quite devastating mm. um, if you get that en masse, you know, and that's that's certainly what I've been hearing quite a bit about as well. Have you been hearing that sort of thing, Jared? I've heard a lot of, particularly early days with COVID, there was a lot of people going to regional areas and just deciding that they, just to get out of Melbourne, they would mm. look at um, signing a 12-month lease um, just so that they, and they would still retain their home uh, in a lot of instances in Melbourne and just keep it sitting there vacant and mm. then um, be able to, to move to a regional area where they've perhaps got a bit more flexibility and because of the working from home um, move, a lot of people have been able to do that. It, it gives them greater flexibility to determine whether or not it's a permanent move mm. or whether or not once some mm. um, restrictions are eased a bit, as we're seeing now, whether they'll then make the move back to the city. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, back when I was filming the show, I'd always say to people, if you're going to move, you know, out of an urban area into a, into a regional area, then go and rent. But the option, I think, you know, maybe in the early days of lockdown, the option was still there, but I think that option is is really very difficult um, now, and it's interesting you talk about the seasonality, just sort of back to what else has been happening in the marketplaces, the seasonality. I, I um, worked out, I think it's really been five years since we had a normal spring market in Sydney. And there's a good reasons for each year. Like, so we've got 2021. Well, it's not, this is, I think this is a normal spring market in Sydney, by the way, where you just get more stock, buyers get tired and over it and they just, like, it's much more fun to they're go to the beach, go Christmas shopping, shopping. They really are. Yeah, they're yeah. done. <laughs> so this, I think, is more typical. But 2020, obviously, we all know that wasn't typical in any in any man's or woman's language. Uh, 2019 was coming off the back of the market, starting to rebuild after the election, mm-hmm. a couple of years of downturn, which, Jared, you mentioned earlier. 2018 was in the doldrums. Nothing was happening. 2017 was like the first six months of a downturn, so that wasn't happening. 2016 was actually went gangbusters right up to Christmas, and interestingly enough, the last time it did that was 2007. So you can say, right, 2007, just before that crash of the GF, FC uh, went gangbusters right up till Christmas and 2017 right sorry 2016 right before the the crash if you want to call it that or the downturn caused by APRA and and you know the Royal Commission and the squeeze on lending and that went gangbusters so it's sort of interesting to think that if a market behaves counterintuitively i.e. you get a hot market in spring 
instead of a slowing down, then usually that's a bit of could be a warning sign that the next year is actually it's going to finally overheat, you know. So that's sort of a theory there. But um, however, this year, uh, you know, I, I guess what I want to talk to you guys is to what we could expect moving into 2022, because if that's typical of a spring market in Sydney where we get loads of stock, buyers start getting bored, the clearance rates start falling, um, we get to the end of the year, we limp to the end of the year where we just sort of there's might be a few listings left over, you know, by Christmas and then nothing happens for a couple of weeks because everything shuts and we're an auction area. So therefore, or an auction city. So therefore any area that's predominantly auctions, you're not going to see a lot of new listings coming on until they can run a full auction campaign. And then you've got Australia day that sort of gets in the way of that at the end of, end of January. So you're really not going to see much in the way of stock come on till very end of January into February, which is one of the reasons why clearance rates typically have been highest in February because that's when there's the lowest amount of stock. And then you've got all these buyers that have re-entered the market or entered the market because they've had time to think and a holiday and maybe get divorced over, maybe lose it, you know, <laughs> maybe split up. All the life changes that happens when you have a bit of time to have a breather and another and a couple of cold bevies. And um you know, and so that's that's a sort of a typical entry into into a Sydney property market in a, in what we call a normal market. Is that the sort of thing that you would anticipate in in Melbourne, Jared? If you like what you're hearing here, please share this episode with others you feel would benefit. And while you're at it, why not leave us an iTunes review? Five stars, please. Every review helps make it easier for other people to find us and hear what our amazing guests have to say. We love hearing your questions and we're planning more listener Q&A episodes. Please send your questions in. You can send them via the website, which is theelephantintheroom.com.au or directly via email to questions at theelephantintheroom.com.au. Yeah, and where again you you're speaking Melbourne's language there, Veronica. It's the same sort of thing. We tend to find that um, Australia Day is quite often the trigger for things to start off again. It's probably started a little bit earlier um, the last couple of years, but usually the bulk of the market starts to open up. People are coming back from holidays. The year really starts in February with school, that type of thing as well. Um, and so, and you do get that clear run. So we have Labor Day, which next year is the second weekend of March. So you typically find that if you start just after Australia Day, you'll get three, there'll be three weekends before Labor Day. There'll be the the 19th of Feb, 26th of Feb, and then the 5th of March will be the the three main weekends. And then um, we'll have Labor Day and then there'll be a a bit of an interruption then and we'll get another clear run because Easter's, I think, about the second weekend of April next year. So there's usually a a reasonably clear run for, for a few weeks there as well. But um, then you get Anzac Day, and Anzac Day next year uh, creates a long weekend because it's a Monday. So um, there's the first four months of the year, there's a lot of interruptions. And it's interesting, I mean, it's probably getting off topic a little bit, but if you sit back and look at the whole calendar year, there's quite often not much more than a six to eight week period where you don't get an interruption from something, whether it's Mm. a public holiday, whether it's school holidays, um, there's always something that starts to throw the market or just makes the market stall for a week or two and then kick again. So it'll be interesting to see how it opens up next year. But we, I mean, with our, we do do a bit of vendor advisory work and that's probably making up a, a fair bit more of our business mm. in recent years as well. And we quite regularly advise clients that um, selling in February, March is a, is a great time because of that pent up demand that you spoke about. Mm. And people do go away and think about things and talk to friends and family over yes. the break. Uh, and really make some some significant decisions. And you combine that with the fact that there's been uh, any number of buyers who've missed out prior to Christmas and just got sick of the market and decided to take stock. And you combine all that, it's not unusual to see a strong market open in the new year. And the other thing that we probably take take notice of is how do the, um, the peninsulas perform during January? So the Mornington Peninsula and the Bellarine Peninsula. So Portsy, Sorrento, Blair Gowrie, mm-hmm. Rye, um, and then over the other side at um, Bowen Heads and Queenscliff Point Lonsdale, Lawn and Torquay, and see what the market's doing there. You regularly see if the market is strong on those peninsulas over the break. It typically means that Melbourne will open quite well. Ah. Not always in reverse, though. You don't always, just because it's poor or not strong down on the peninsulas, doesn't mean that it won't be strong in Melbourne. It could still be. But if it is if it is positive, it's quite often pretty strong in Melbourne too. 
With the, the same... holiday market, it's a little bit like that's the right. Sunshine Coast. And yeah, Gold that's Coast exactly too. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering if you're going to say the same thing in, in – uh, what about Gold Coast? The sunny coast, yes. The Gold Coast, is that same thing or is that a, a, a beast of its own? The, the demand there is so strong at the moment that the uh, yeah, the prices are racing fairly steadily upwards and um, it's, it's, it's very hard. Do you know what I found really fascinating? Sorry, Jared was listening to you talk about the year in auction chunks. Yeah, it, you know, it's not, it, obviously that's how a, a selling agent and you know a buyer's agent in those markets who knows mm. those markets really well has to think. We don't have to really think like that up here necessarily, mm. except it is becoming more and more prevalent. So thank you. You just gave me an awesome piece of gold today. <laughs> to we, we look at that as we change regularly. to an auction I mean, market improvement. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> you, you look at it and you look at the public holidays and when they sit, there's mm. Australia Day, there's Labor Day, there's Easter, there's Queen's Birthday. There's usually a gap in the middle of the year, but not a lot yeah. happens winter-wise in Melbourne because of the cold weather. So mm. it does go dormant during sort of July, August, and then things open up and you'll have a chuckle again, but the grand final is a big thing at the end of <laughs> September. So, and that, that's now a long weekend. And then you've got Melbourne Cup. Put there, but, and then you've got yep, Melbourne Cup and yep, then you've got yep, Christmas. Yep. So it really is amazing that, that there are, it, it, if you look at it, it's probably six to eight weeks is the best clear run that you'll get. Look at that. Okay, so there's a piece of gold from Jared McKay from Wakeland Property Advisory Melbourne for sellers listening to this podcast about <laughs> how to plan your auction campaign when, when to go to market. But in the meantime, <laughs> here we are talking about what's happening next year. Um, Veronica, the Sunshine Coast and the Gold Coast have got extraordinarily strong demand. They are the more um, volatile markets in, in Brisbane. So if you think about, and, you know, I always use the terminology, Brisbane's usually like the Clydesdale. It's, you know, pretty reliable. It plods along. When things slow, they slow. They don't necessarily drop. Whereas the Sunshine Coast and the Gold Coast markets are heavily influenced by um you know, large disposable incomes, low interest rates, um, popularity during times where, you know, people want to have a lifestyle aspect um, and, and bring that into their portfolio. Whether that's a relocation or a second home or whatever the case may be, that's what we're experiencing in those markets at the moment. Um, and they, they are racing fairly strongly in terms of price growth at the moment and demand, both from an interstate migration point of view and also from a second home point of view. Now, I'm really interested because, um, Veronica, you mentioned about, uh, we talked about um, the pressure on rental prices and the decrease in the amount of properties in the rental pool. But you also talked about um, Airbnb and, you know, those short-term rental options. I think there are a number of properties probably on the Sunshine Coast and the Gold Coast that had been in those short-term holiday rental pools that went into the long-term rental pools um, during periods of time where people couldn't travel. And we may actually see those, well, I feel fair confident that we will see those come out of those long-term rental pools and back into the short-term accommodation again. So that's going to potentially take an, a large other number of properties out of the long-term rental pools in those markets. And I know in the coastal markets, north coast, north coast, north coast of New South Wales, excuse me, I stumbled over that one, uh, north coast of New South Wales, which whilst it's over your border is probably a little closer to me, you know, in terms of that's where my my where I grew up and I know that market pretty well. Um, it is extraordinarily difficult to get a rental property around, you know, Ballina, Byron Bay, Lennox Head, those coastal markets on the north coast of New South Wales. It's, it is very, very, very difficult to get a long-term rental there at the moment. So what typically happens in the new year in Brisbane, in the Brisbane market? Um, you know, because you're not here. Well, uh, you don't have those sort of auction, <laughs> you don't have those auction um, cycles that that Jared and I are familiar with. And um, but you said that most Bris Vegans, sorry, Bris, what do you call you calls? <laughs> From um, Bris, Bris, Bris Vegas. Yep. Bris Bris Vegas. Yeah. So you said that most <laughs> Bris Vegans will evacuate the city because it's bloody hot and there's no coast. Um. <laughs> yeah, they tend to go to the coast. So yeah. you'll find half of Brisbane and Noosa. 
and the other half on the Gold Coast. <laughs> I, I jest, but um, there is a lot, you know, there, there, there is, that people go outside of Brisbane generally for the school holiday period, whether they stay through until Christmas and then they go or whatever, but the, the roads are really quiet. It's, it's quite quiet in the city um, and you'll find most people on the coast. Uh, so, so that's great, you know, this year with tourism, we're really encouraging tourism within Queensland and people staying around, that, that's fabulous. But what it means for the property market is um, it is a time where, well, there's two things happening. One, it's quieter, so there aren't many new listings, but most agents know what are going to come on, what property is going to come on in January, and they're aiming those properties to come on the market late January. So around that, you know, post-Australia Day when people are back at school, maybe the week before they'll come on the market. Most agents know about that. So it actually creates good buying opportunities during this period of time where people have gone, I'm tired, I'm done, I'm out of here, I can't think about it anymore, I need to plan my Christmas life. Lunch. I need to actually have some time with my family. I just can't think about buying a property. They're exhausted. There are buyers who are absolutely exhausted. They've made three, four, six, eight offers on properties, been to four or five auctions. They're exhausted at the moment and they just want some downtime. But so there that's... are properties there. The agents know about them and most of them are, um, are working through to a large degree. You know, you could pick up the phone to them and say, what are you got coming up and, and you'll find out about them. So there, there are opportunities out there during this period, but there's a lot less pressure on the immediacy of, of getting in, making an offer and buying. So it sounds like that's a commonality across all three markets um, that the, we can expect less stock. We can expect fresh buy uh, in, in the short term. To, can you hear that? There's a big thunderstorm what here in, uh, in Sydney. It's going it's off. Thunder. Wow. Yeah, it's was, thunder in the middle of spectacular. The, uh, the afternoon, yeah. Um, I tell you what, your London background is looking beautiful and sunny, though. I know. It's a beautiful <laughs> London background I've got. I just thought I'm trying to channel one day. We'll be back out there again. Um, back there travelling. So, yeah, so basically uh, the commonality is that what we've got is is you know, low stock throughout January, you've got potential for new buyers to come into the mar- into each market really, but potentially more local buyers entering the market in Sydney and Melbourne than in Brisbane. Brisbane, you've got some of our evacuees as well. And so evacuees, I- but honestly, Veronica, at the moment, about 60% of our buyers within the business are um, upgraders, local upgraders. Right, okay. So, so it's very really strong demand locally as well. That local pressure. So, okay, so we've got local pressure then from all, from all in all areas. But also because my uh, involvement with investors certainly has dropped off over the last few years as well. Um, and, and despite the fact that investor lending has upticked, um, we're not yet seeing huge amount. We have got a few more investor clients on uh, in the last, say, month of the year, but that we haven't seen a huge uptick, certainly not that noticeable. And of course, if investors drew into the market in any force, that's going to that's going to actually have quite a shift. You know, if we think we've had a tough time <laughs> trying to buy in these conditions, and, and a lot of investors come in, that's going to up the ante a little bit. But you know, so despite all these headlines, you know, when Commonwealth Bank coming out sort of saying there's going to be what a thirteen percent price fall in twenty twenty two, all that sort of palaver. What are you sensing on the ground? I mean, let's start with you, Jared. What are you sensing as as we move into twenty twenty two? What do you what what is your feel? Because I, you know, we're all we all get a sense, don't we? I mean, we're dealing with this day in day out, so you do get a sense of what's happening. How how have you sensed the sort of slowdown, if you like, at the end of the year? And and do you feel that that's going to continue into twenty twenty two, or do you think strap yourselves in, kids? We're still on the roller coaster. I think there'll be a. I think we're finding a level in Melbourne now. I think it's starting to to find its position. I don't think we'll see clearance rates keep dropping. I wouldn't be surprised to see them sort of hover around high sixties, early seventies, that sort of level. I don't necessarily expect it to get back up to eighty percent or so, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it get back into the seventies for a period of time, potentially up to say Easter, and then start to to um, recalibrate and, and get itself back around that sort of level. So I think there'll be good. There'll still be good competition around particularly for the for the good quality properties and the first during the first quarter of the year 
Um, but I'm not expecting to see what we saw last year, um, where it's where it's been uh, where it was going from strength to strength week after week. Um, I think we've we'll still get some growth next year, but I don't think it'll be what what this year's been. Mm. Megan, oh, it's really interesting. So I, I think I think the thing that we keep an eye on, obviously, is is buyer inquiry because that's one of the drivers, and then you mm. know, look at supply, what's coming on that, you know, they're the basics, um, but. We, we, we have got a lot of people who are saying, I'm just going to sit on it until next year. Mm. So I think there is a little bit of pent-up um, demand that is, is going to hit next year. But, when, you know, in these in our inner city areas, and we're talking about, we, and Jared, good point you made, it's quality properties. We're not talking about B and C grade locations, your main roads flood affected on train lines. You know, we're, we're not talking about those properties necessarily, I guess, when we talk about, you know, a, a, a general demand and increase but um the 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 thing that i find really interesting about brisbane is that it doesn't seem there are not there are no indications that i've seen in other market cycles as of slowing of buyer interest in across all sectors apart from investors so the investors the only sector that i'm seeing a slowing in so we're seeing um that strong demand still coming from owner occupiers uh, sorry first-time buyers from upgraders locally, from interstate and from expats repatriating. So we've got really strong um, pressure coming from all of those markets. But when we talk about, you know, that, that Brisbane area as opposed to the greater Brisbane area, there isn't a huge amount of increase in supply that can happen there. So there are only a small number of, of you know, maybe splitter block subdivisions that could increase, you know, a few properties within some of these inner city areas. So a bit like Sydney, where there's that pressure on the scarcity of the land, you can't, unless you keep going further out and further out and further out, and we're talking greater Brisbane than not Brisbane city, um, there's just nowhere for people to go except to pay more money. And that's the really interesting thing that people are looking at is if I want to be you're in these areas, I can't do anything except pay more money for the property and the area that I want to be in. And that's the compromise that people are talking about. You know, Veronica, we talk about in your first home buyer guide, we talk about the compromises across three key areas, which is position, property and price. And what people are compromising on most at the moment is price and they're paying more than they expected to pay in order to get what they expected before or making some compromises but still paying more money um, because they want to be in the areas and in the properties in the A-grade locations, particularly school catchments. So school catchments is a really big driver in Brisbane um, for public schools at the primary level and then, you know, they can go on to any, um, sorry, public schools at, at the primary level and then pub, uh, private schools at the high school level. Mm. So... I'm not seeing any change in that behaviour so far or any change in the level of inquiry. I'm just seeing a bit of exhaustion at the moment and I think that we're going to see that again reinvigorate through January um, and, and into 2022. How far? I don't crystal ball, never have, will not, will not put a prediction out there, but I know buyer behaviour and that's the buyer behaviour I'm seeing at the moment. Yeah. I mean, look, observing similar things, to be honest, and and it's normal when the market does slow a little bit, when choice comes into the marketplace, that buyers then can get picky again. Because let's face it, they lose all their pickiness when there's no choice and when there's prices are rising and they feel that intense FOMO. But then as soon as they think, oh, I've got choice now, I don't have to buy on a main road anymore, um, they won't buy on that main road. So I think that to me is just normal behaviour. So I think in order to prepare, I just sort of put down a couple of notes here, which um, I'll sort of put them out there and you guys can add to it. But one of the things that a lot of people will ask me, it's like, well, when's the right time to buy? You know, you're trying to time the market because I want to buy on the down and sell on the up. And, and you know, I think you and we, or we, all three of us know that that is a bit of folly because I think we're all on the same page and we say, look, really the right time is when you're ready um, and when you found the right property. So <laughs> because plenty of people are ready and they buy the wrong property or pe plenty of people um, are ready and don't buy uh, because they're waiting for the market to turn around and they're not in control of the market. So I think 
the right time to buy, and, and it sounds, of course, self-interested, the buyer's agent says, oh, the right time to buy is when you're ready. Um, of course. However, and I know that Stuart in particular, uh, sorry, um, Jared, in particular, you work, do a lot of work with Stuart Weems, and he's got a lot of yeah. evidence around this because he's a very evidence-based financial planner. You know, that that you buy the right asset, it doesn't sort of matter the time when you buy it. It's it's buying for the long term. Any other hints for people preparing for 2022, Jared, Megan? Oh, we focus, I mean, as you guys do as well, asset selection is absolute key. So there's no point in going uh, going on and focusing too much on um, buying at the right time because if you buy the wrong property at the right time, it's still going to be the wrong property mm. when you come to sell it. So get your asset selection right first and foremost. doesn't matter whether it's for an investment or whether it's for your home. It needs to meet the requirements and then worry about buying um, at the best price you possibly can. So uh, preparation is always key. And I think if you're going to hit the ground running in the new year and, and whether it's to, to catch your breath and, and start again or whether it's starting for the first time, just make sure you've got everything ready to go so that if the right property comes up, whether it's private sale, whether it's an auction, um, you're in a strong position to uh, engage as soon as, uh, as soon as it hits the market. Well, I had a couple of notes here, Jared. I think you just said everything that was in my notes. <laughs> Literally, the next <laughs> thing was hit the ground running, and the next one was to how to get ready. So, I mean, being ahead I just of the add game. To that, sorry. Yeah. Can I can I add to that because I think you know, um, there's there's two key questions that we you know read in investor forums and first time buyer forums and so forth, and and we get asked a lot, and that is you know where to buy and. Uh, which is not an answer that anyone should give you apart from working <laughs> through the process itself. But the other thing is um, the advice that I see given, which is it doesn't matter what you buy, just get into the market. Oh, yeah. And I think that mm. it's a really important one that we want to dispel because it does matter. It does matter. It's not about when we talk about the best time to buy is when you're financially able, ready, and you understand what you're buying and why you're buying it. Once you've got those sort of key things in place and you understand financially your position and, and your serviceability and all those sorts of really important preparation things, it isn't just about buying anything. And Jared, you hit the nail on the head by saying it is about the right asset selection because if you get it wrong in a rapidly rising market or a peaking market, then it's going to hurt an awful lot for a very long time until you get another rapidly rising market or peaking market. And that's where you have to time your exit because mm. you have nothing you have nothing but the market that will help you overcome poor asset selection. And, and that's such a key, I think, that we, we bang on and bang on and bang on and bang on about getting the property right. It's not about when you buy, it's actually about buying the right thing. Primary example of that, Megan, we've just helped a client who bought a property themselves 10 years ago um, off the plan apartment, bought it for, I think it was about 550000 and we've uh, just helped them sell it um, and got it, sold it for 425000 In a peaking market, in a rising years. market. 10 yeah. years they've held that for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if someone says to you, it doesn't matter what you buy, just get in, um, there's an example of it does matter. Excellent example. Yeah. I think we need to write a book about that, but nobody will read it because they go, oh, you're just too negative. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think hitting the ground really running is... Hurts. <laughs> yeah, it does. Hitting, hitting the ground running I think is really important. So then you are able to take advantage of the right opportunity when you, when you come across it. Um, and... Being clear on what it is that is a good asset and what you need is really important so that you don't try to jump at anything. And I think that that's a really, it's a real danger because when you're ready as well, you feel like you've got, you got money burning a hole in your pocket. And also if you haven't learned what's the difference between an A, B and C grade property, you know, we've got a Your First Home Buyer Guide episode on that. Um, just have to go over to that podcast and look it up because I can't remember the number off the top of my head. But how to get ready. Um, I've got three things here and you guys can add to them. Um, the first one is, Set a proper limit, as in your your purchasing limit, your purchasing budget, not what you think you should pay or hope you should have to pay, but what you A, can afford and B, what you need to pay to get what you want in whatever area you're looking in. Um, because a lot of people do, start, particularly when they're starting off their property search, they'll actually set their limit at what they think they should have to pay. And it however long it takes them to come to grips with what's really in the market and what really they need is basically lost opportunity, particularly if it's a rising market. So 
to be very educate yourself as to what the possibilities are to of your search so and what you actually need to pay and then work out what you can afford um don't go in there just going with what you want to pay um the number two is be pre-approved i mean or have a really clear understanding of exactly what your borrowing power is because people... And can I clarify, pre-approval yeah. is not doing a calculator online. There was an example no. of a property in Queensland where someone had jumped, a doctor had jumped online, done, oh, I can afford that. Yep, that's fine. Made an unconditional offer, could not settle on the property because there was a whole lot of stuff in, a, in a, an online calculator that they don't ask you and you don't have to put in there that the bank really 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 wants to know so it's not pre-approval is not an online calculator it's formal with the bank or a broker did that happen in, in brisbane because i read one a doctor in melbourne did the same thing was it melbourne was it oh okay so it's same might same yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know it lost three hundred twenty thousand dollars worth of deposit anyway. You know, yep. I'm like, God, you you know, you should be educated enough to anyway. Um, but so if doctors can do it, anyone can <laughs> make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the third thing is where to buy. You know, save time by looking in the right location. I mean, Megan, you and I put together two workshops, one for investors and one for owner occupiers on where to buy because everyone asks the question and you'll get 100 different answers from 100 different people and nearly all of them are wrong. So um, well, they're, they're from other people's perspective. And yes. I think that's the thing that, you know, we want to point out is when someone answers the question where to buy, they're giving you the answer from their perspective, not from yours. So you have to understand your own perspective and your own goals and your own um, you know, what, you're, what you're trying to achieve to work through a process to work out where to buy. Absolutely. So, but people do spend a lot of time looking in the wrong location and really wasting time. We say that ping pong all over the place, you know, trying to chase the market. So being ready really means being prepared in those areas. Anything you'd like to add, Jared? Um, I was just going to say, you mentioned before, obviously, to hit the ground running and, and making sure that you're ready to go. Um, you don't want to jump in too quickly, but I'm sure both of you have had the same experience whereby uh, you've presented a, a really good option to a client, whether it's an investment or a home, and um, it's been very early in the search process mm. and the response has been, I don't want to buy it. It's the first one I've seen. I'll wait and see. And how often then it then comes back to that everything gets compared back to that property. So yeah. if you're... If, you, if you've got yourself organised, you're ready to go and the right property is the first property, don't be afraid to purchase it. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, back to that, fun. what you said earlier about being prepared. If you're prepared and you've done sort of all put in the hard yards, doing your research, getting everything lined up beforehand, you're going to be in a better position to recognise that. So thank you so much for joining us um, both of you this has been a great sort of overview of this, the, the year that was or the end of the year that was <laughs> looking ahead into 2022 you know try to give you some some understanding of the bigger picture of what these markets um, how they perform and, and the bar or the dynamics underneath and what's what's important in different markets and then to be ready to go if you want to buy in 2022 what you need to do to be prepared so uh, Thanks, guys. If you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or North Shore, my team and I can help you buy without regrets. Reach out via my website, gooddeeds.com.au. If you're looking to buy your first home, thinking of upgrading into a new one or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, my team love to carefully guide you on this journey and most importantly, get the finance right. Reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again. And remember, don't be a dumbo.